What is up, everybody? Welcome back to First Down Rundown, where we give you a holistic view of the world of sports. Whether you're a casual fan or an avid fan, this is the place for you. We're your two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. Today is Wednesday, November 23rd, the day before Thanksgiving. So happy early Thanksgiving to everybody. Or if you're listening to this on Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving to you. And you are also a very special person because that's that means a lot if you're listening to this on the, the special eating day of the year. But yes, this is this is the first episode back in 12 days, I believe. I think our last, well, Matt's last episode, his solo episode was on November 11th. I haven't been on the podcast in over two weeks, so I know you guys are so glad to hear me back on here and hear me do these, this intro, right? Yeah, I, I know that. But um, yes, regarding the little absence of FDRD on your podcast feed, it is because, well, Yes, it's because of the tragedy that happened at UVA um, last week, or I guess last weekend at this point. It's been over a week at this point. It's crazy to think about. But yes, I I wasn't directly involved, obviously, um, but I was very affected by it. At all of UVA was, and it was just it was really tough to kind of get the will to do a podcast and and focus on something else. And so I was that whole week. I was kind of just focused on just being there for my friends and talking to family and everything and kind of just keeping the loved ones close. But yeah, heart goes out to, you know, all the families that were, that were involved and the victims and everything like that. It's just a terrible thing that happened, but I'm not going to harp on it too much because right. Um, you know, this podcast is, is supposed to be a, a more lighthearted thing. And that's why we waited to do a, a podcast. I mean, do an episode now rather than try to do one last week when my head was all cloudy and, and things would have been, a little bit distracting last week and, and you know, we, we wouldn't have been able to make a, a very good episode. So that's why we waited until now, but we are back now day before Thanksgiving. You guys already know that we're going to have a holiday segment in this episode. We've also got some NFL to talk about some college football to talk about and a little bit of NBA. You probably know what we're going to talk about with the NBA, but it has to be talked about and it has to be touched on because it's a, a great thing to see that's happening in the NBA that we haven't seen in a very long time. But with that being said, I've got Matt on the other end here. We actually are in person as well, so Matt's here sitting right next to me. Matt, how are you? That's right. We're back. Uh, it's been actually a really long time since we did an episode in person together, so uh, it's nice to, to kind of have the holiday episode, day before Thanksgiving, all wrapped into one and being together, obviously. Well, I mean, you know, most families get together for Thanksgiving, so uh, yeah, we probably should be in person, but uh, that makes it all the more special, so yeah, I mean, obviously, Hayden kind of, you know, very well summed up the UVA situation. I'm not going to even really go into it too much. Um, and so, you know, it is, it is what it is. And, and I think that he said all the words that need to be said about that. And he's the one who's actually there when it happened, too. So I think it deserves some kind of some time off. And obviously, I had a solo episode before that. And so, you know, obviously, we're, that episode's going to get millions more downloads than we normally do, as we know, with <laughs> I don't most know. of my solo episodes. So, uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully this one is just as good i know it will be so why don't we just get right into it all right moving into nfl so the bills they are struggling a little more down the stretch than we expected them to and you could make a lot of assumptions here about what's going wrong but i think we can probably all agree that josh allen has not been the same since he hurt his elbow. Now, the crazy part is also that the Bills' running game has actually gotten a lot better since the beginning of the season. And a lot of times at the beginning of the season, people were complaining, okay, well, Josh Allen is throwing the ball too much. You know, he's throwing 50 times a game. 
you can't rely on a guy, even if he's a star player like he is, and even if he's as good as he is, an MVP caliber player, you can't rely on a guy that much and expect to win a Super Bowl. We've seen in the past, right, Aaron Rodgers has four MVPs, and he had two MVPs in a row, and he couldn't make the Super Bowl with with either of those teams that or with any of those teams for, for that matter. And so I, I think the idea here is like, okay, well, we've seen Josh Allen regress a little bit. We've seen the Bills running game progress a lot throughout the season. But I think it's kind of almost like a shell shock to the Bills that, okay, well, Josh Allen isn't really being himself. So even though our running game is good, we're still not going to play to our potential. So I'm going to turn this question over to Matt. Is it time to be worried for the Bills right now, or is it just one of those things where we have to wait for Josh Allen to kind of work out the kinks in his elbow injury, and their running game is is flourishing, so we shouldn't have to worry? I don't know. I this is a this is a tough question, so I'm going to give it over to Matt first. I don't think it's that tough. I don't think we should be worrying about the Bills. I think it's a lot of overreaction to just a couple of games where they were a little bit inconsistent in their play, and two. Towards the beginning of the season, I forget exactly when it was, but it was it was in the first couple of weeks. I mean, they were down like most of their defensive starters, right? And yeah. they've gotten a couple of those guys back, but for the most part, they're still really injured, even on the offensive line as well. So we're talking obviously Wednesday night, the day before Thanksgiving, they play the Lions on Thanksgiving Day in the noon slot, and I'm just I mean I'm look, obviously I'm trying to bet on the game, so I'm kind of you know trying to get an edge here, and I'm looking at the injury report, and the Lions are significantly beat up, but the Bills almost just as much, and you don't really it kind of goes unnoticed still for how much they are hurt, considering obviously how the great expectations that they do have in terms of, you know, we expect them to win all the games. And, and so when you have a lot of players that are hurt, kind of what you expect to do is you expect that your quarterback makes up for that difference, right? The quarterback is, is essentially there to compensate for the, the losses that you may have, whether it be injuries, whether, whether it may be, you know, you're just kind of some inconsistent play on the defensive end, uh, whatever it may be, the quarterback is usually who you lean on. And I mean, I couldn't think of a better uh, person candidate to, to lean on in a time like that. than the man himself, Josh Allen, who, as they mentioned is right, you know, kind of leading the MVP talk and, and everybody knew coming into the season, how, good the bills were going to be and he has lived up to that expectation to some extent i think at the beginning of the season everything kind of was clicking and they were doing really well and, and obviously right he had the kind of the the weird elbow injury and then it, well i think it i think it all started honestly against the packers in that sunday night game yes they they won handily they beat the packers by 10 but i think josh allen had two red zone interceptions in that game it didn't really do it kind of went unnoticed just because they dominated the Packers regardless, right? Uh, and then and then he got the elbow injury in the Jets game that they lost. And then, obviously, last game, you know, they saw that against the Browns, it kind of didn't really matter. Uh, but I don't think the Browns are, are any good at all. So, uh, you know, but it was still right. They, they won by eight points. It was, it, was a, it was a solid win. Well, they were up by, like, 17 points. The Browns scored with, like, 13 seconds left. But anyway, I think, I think that's kind of the, the thing that we have to, you know, remember here is, like, just because Josh Allen doesn't have 350 yards passing and, you know, 100 – 20 yards rushing and five total touchdowns every game doesn't mean that we need to worry about the bills going forward. I think that it is good, especially for a team with such high expectations coming into the season. It's good for them to face some losses, especially around this you know middle period of the season when everybody is beat up. You've played more than half the season. Everybody's getting hurt. You know, they're, they're, you got to overcome injuries. You got to overcome kind of that, that mid season 
you know, bind of like, okay, well, you know, we've, we've played so much and gone so hard for this long and we basically still have double this to go, especially for the teams that have playoff, uh, you know, aspirations. So it's, it's good to see this. It's, it's, I think it would have been, I think it would have been honestly probably bad for the bills if they would have been, you know, basically been like nine and zero to start the season right now. And, you know, they're on top of the world and nothing can stop them. And then you kind of just run into a situation like, you know, maybe deeper in the playoffs or, you know, first, first or second round of the playoffs where yeah, that that kind of this version of the bills that we're seeing that kind of just looks a little bit inconsistent a little bit injured it, it's better for that to not show up during the playoffs when you know you lose and you're out right right now you lose and okay you you know you fall a game behind miami in your division but it, at the end of the day like you still they still have like a you know 99 percent chance to reach the playoffs like this team is still very talented very good so I, I don't think it's I think I, I think I don't think we need to worry about the Bills. I think that it's it's good for them to experience some of this. They're gonna get more healthy as the season goes on, and like I just said, as the season goes on, that's when playoff time comes. And it's way better to be healthy when playoff time comes than just you know kind of sitting here right now being like, okay, well you know if we're if we're seven and five, you know kind of twelve games through the season, you know that's that's a huge amazing thing to that shouldn't be happening like no it's it's not going to be like that so uh so yeah so i don't hayden might might present an argument for the other side uh so i guess kind of let's let's see what he has to say i don't know i was probably gonna lean more on the side of yes let's be a little bit worried just because if if the bills do get into a sticky situation in the playoffs kind of like they did last year again last year you can't even really use as use that as an example so i'm fully on me for that but i would say that it, if we do see them get into a situation where they're not really comfortable in the playoffs, well, I think that we could see them lose. And it, it's, it, we've, we've kind of seen it happen before. Right. Um, I, I think that Matt's right in the, in the sense that they're going to get their players back. Most of their players back by playoff time. That is the hope. And that's the expectation. And if they do, if they do get a lot of those defensive players back, they're going to be just fine in the playoffs. Their defensive line is, is insane. I mean, I was I had Nick Chubb on my fantasy team this past weekend, and he I mean he usually runs over defenses. So I mean the the Browns offensive line is is probably top five in the league, and Nick Chubb I think on on his throughout his first like five rushes he got tackled for a loss on three of them I think, and that that never happens with with Nick Chubb and the Browns offensive line. So this this Bills def- defensive line is really really good. Their secondary is where those injuries are at, and and where you should be worried a little bit about. The Bills going down this this last stretch of the season, but I do think that Matt's right in the sense that well, when it comes playoff time, assuming most of these guys will be, will be back, there's not really any kind of panic going on right now about okay, well, Tre'Davious White might not be able to play for the um you know in in the playoffs yet, or, or Micah Hyde might not be back for the playoffs. It's like those guys, there's not really any any scare or any um, worry that those guys won't be back for the playoffs. So I think in yeah, in the most in the most general sense, we probably don't really need to be worried about the Bills because they are the Bills. But I going back to this balance between the running game and the passing game, it is a little bit scary still that their offense has struggled to find that balance has, has struggled to find a way to make the balance work. Because right, they're getting they're getting more rushing yards. You know, Devin Singletary is catching a lot of passes out of the backfield. He I mean, I think he's average over the past few games, he's probably averaging like 70 or 80 rushing yards. That's unheard of. Last year, he probably averaged like 30 in, in every game last season. So he's he's done a lot better. And without, I think Zach Moss, I don't even know if he still plays for the Bills, but I think Devin Singletary being the main back, I mean, you got James Cook as well, but Devin Singletary being the main back in that offense, I think he's kind of 
I think he's kind of flourishing in the, in that role more than he was flourishing in a role that's that's more like like a running back by committee that they were running last year and at the beginning of part of this year. But yes, I do think that with the running game improving and Josh Allen regressing a little bit and we're seeing that be bad for the Bills, maybe it's like maybe it's like a scheme kind of thing that they need to fix on offense. Maybe right, they got too comfortable with leaning on Josh Allen too much to run the ball and pass the ball and do everything for their team. So I, I do think that there is some worry to have, especially for the offense. I think Matt's right with the defense. You kind of just need to let the pieces fall together and, and, and have those guys come back from injury. Shouldn't be too worried about that because right. You can't really do much about injuries and they're going to heal over time. But I do think with this offense, we need to, we need to keep an eye on it just to make sure, okay, well, is their scheme, are they switching their scheme a little bit to compensate for Josh Allen's injury or are they just going to rely on him all the time and, and keep on trying to make him overwork himself in these games where they could be using this improving running game? I don't really know, but I, I do think that there is a little bit of concern here. Moving on to the next topic, talking about another team in the AFC East. Uh, we're talking about Zach Wilson. You see it in the title. He's probably been having a worse week than most other people on earth at this point. I mean, so it all started, obviously, with a poor performance on Sunday against the Patriots. He's had, actually, multiple poor performances in a row, which is kind of what led to this whole thing. Uh, that was followed by a bad press conference in which he basically was like, yeah, I'm not the problem, even though the rest of the team seems like it's amazing. Um, and then, obviously, now, today, it came out that, that he's benched and they're going to start Mike White at quarterback uh, this coming Sunday against the Bears. So the question becomes... You know, right, with all this hype around Zach Wilson, obviously last year was rookie season. This year he's, you know, kind of getting more into playing football at the NFL level. Are the expectations too high for Zach Wilson, considering he hasn't even played two seasons yet? Or might this be, might this not be the right move for a Jets organization that seemingly has all the pieces besides a quarterback? I do think that Zach Wilson is the problem. I do think that they made the right decision to bench him this week for Mike White. And if you guys don't know, Mike White is the guy that last year in his first start, in his first NFL start, I think ever, he threw forty. He threw for 400 yards. like, And I think like th three or four touchdowns, which is crazy. I, don't, I forget who it, was, who it was against, but still, I mean, a guy for his first start in the NFL and his first start of the season throws for 400 yards, come on. I mean, he's he's got something in him. He's got that dog in him that Zach Wilson appears to not have anymore. Everybody still makes that joke, but I, I think that Zach – I've always not really been a, a fan of Zach Wilson. I think that he has – certain performances and like certain certain you know spurts of of hope but then he kind of just comes back down to earth and i think it it shows that he's more of like a natural talent guy that is capped a little bit like i th i think his i think his ceiling is pretty high but his floor is really really low like i, I think that there's a wide range for Zach Wilson here and um right if if we were to see him i don't i don't know what he can do more to commit to the game you know i'm i'm not inside the Jets organization. I'm not Zach Wilson, so I don't know if he's not working hard enough. I, obviously, he's got some kind of mental thing messed up where he doesn't think that he's the problem at all when he only throws for 70 yards and and throws like two picks or something like that in the game, and then he blames it on... Well, he doesn't blame it on the defense, but he doesn't blame it on the offense. Like You've got to take responsibility for that as a quarterback. I think his leadership skills are kind of just not there, and... Right, that's that's a locker room thing. Like when you don't take responsibility as the quarterback of a team and you only throw for 7 yard, I mean 70 yards in a game and you lose on an unfortunate walk-off 
punt return by by the Patriots, that still that hurts the 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 whole team. The whole team is looking at you and saying, okay, well, why didn't we score more points? Because when, at the end of the day, the quarterback is going to get blamed for a loss and they're going to get praised for a win. So you've got to, no matter if it's your fault or not, which it was Zach Wilson's fault. So in this situation, he should have taken blame for that, and he didn't. I think that that's a huge reason why they're benching him. I think it, if he did take the blame then he probably wouldn't even be, even be benched at this point. I think if he did the, take the blame and said, okay, I'm going to be better, yada, 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 I'm, I have full confidence that they would still be starting Zach Wilson this coming week. But I think it's just because of, right, his, his leadership skills, which are very important to the quarterback position, almost even more important sometimes than your physical abilities, a.k.a. Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, that, this guy's killing the game. And can't really throw a ball that far, that hard, or that accurately, or he can't really run that much, but he's leading the 49ers to a great season so far. I think that that's a great example of a guy that, right, Zach Wilson has better athletic ability than than Jimmy Garoppolo, but the fact that he doesn't have that leadership, it's tanking his career, and I don't even, I don't know if we're going to see Zach Wilson play for the rest of the season. We might. It might be one of the situations where he has to sit out a couple games, and then he comes back, but... um yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't help that Zach Wilson's also like five foot eight and one hundred eighty pounds. But um, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna ding him for his size here. I think that he right, he has great athletic athletic ability. He has the arm to do it. I think his leadership skills are just are just way off off the line, and he needs to fix those. And right, I, I'm I'm kind of excited to see what the what the Jets can do because they got, they got a top five defense in the NFL right now, arguably top five. I mean, top three defense in the NFL as of now. So I mean, they've got the best cornerback in the league. So it's uh, I I really want to see what they can do. I obviously don't really want to see them win because I'm a Patriots fan, and that AFC East division is is so exciting to watch right now because they've they're the best division in football, and. Right, I'd I'd like to see the Patriots do well this year, but um, but it is kind of cool to see the rest of the division do really well, as, you know, and kind of represent the AFC East as the best division in football. But I do think that these Jets could be a playoff team. I just don't think that Zach Wilson is going to be the one to lead them there or lead them through the playoffs. I think the expectations were too high. I think he he wasn't that great of a quarterback coming out of college, but I think that an organization like the Jets, who drafted Sam Darnold two years ago and weren't impressed by anything that he was able to do and he went to a different team and is still not performing there either so clearly yeah Sam Darnold might not have been the answer right but this is a Jets organization that yes they're building around their pieces they have a solid defense they're getting weapons at the receiver uh, position but if you if you're gonna chase after a quarterback you got to kind of you got to kind of draft the guy that you think will be the guy right and this is kind of a this is a very common thing in the NFL especially for kind of the organizations that aren't typically winning organizations or that we kind of look at as like, okay, well, they'll always be fine is it's better to wait for the quarterback that, you know, that you can get, that will be, that will be a franchise quarterback and change your entire you know organization around rather than, okay, well, we need a quarterback this year. So we're just going to draft the guy that we want. And, and sure that, that works sometimes, right? I mean, Hey, you know, like look at Stuff like Patrick Mahomes and, and like other, you know, Josh Allen's even a good example. Like, you know, they kind of found a person and 
and that was the person that they thought they would work well with, right? I mean, Josh Allen's pro day, he was throwing balls like 70 yards down the field. He has the raw raw arm talent. All you need now is to just coach him on his accuracy and reading defenses. That is stuff that you can coach a guy when he gets to the NFL. Same with Patrick Mahomes. Andy Reid's like, this guy has an absolute cannon of an arm. We just need to kind of get his decision-making under control, and he'll be amazing. And that's exactly what happened. But with a person like Zach Wilson, like – a, as Hayden said, he has a very different style of play, but also, like, if the Jets aren't prepared to take a guy like that and then be able to coach him up in the in the areas that he needs coaching in order to make him into a, you know, competent NFL quarterback, then you're going to be failing the guy. So I'm not I'm not all, you know, I'm not playing the sympathy card here for, for Zach Wilson, but what I am doing is is basically saying, like, Zach Wilson was not meant to be the second overall pick and, and the savior of the Jets organization. This is a guy from BYU who had his best season ever in the COVID year, 2020, with BYU, who play, who's an independent. They're not even in a, in a conference, so they can pick basically whatever teams they want to play every season. And yeah, he balled out. But again, most of the, like half the, half the teams in college football didn't even play a, like half a season in the year that, that, that obviously that Zach Wilson kind of went off and, and had his breakout season. And so sure, he looked really good in comparison to the rest of the college football landscape, but that doesn't mean that he, you know, should be, you know, grabbing all the hype. And then obviously, you know, like, I think he was he was supposed to he wasn't even supposed to be that high of a draft pick and then he had this one pro day thing where he threw like he was running to his left and he threw like 60 yards down the field to his right and everybody's like okay this is the guy and it's like that's a that's one throw in a in a vacuum with no defense and no pads on and like now you're just going to anoint him as like the the future star of the New York Jets organization. I think that there's just been too many expectations put on a guy who just isn't really meant to be a great quarterback in the NFL or Either that or the expectation sorry, either the expectations were too high or they have failed him by not getting the coaches around him that are able to coach him up to the things that he needs, right? I mean, we see there's been film that's even come out even since the Patriots game where he's had, you know, wide open receivers running downfield and he just takes off to the left and gets like four yards. That's stuff that you need to coach, right? Like, don't go out of the pocket. Pocket movement is very important. Look downfield. Go through your reads. Go through your progressions. But if he goes back on the sidelines and the coaches are like, dang, Zach, you like, you missed this guy. You know, you kind of suck there. And he's like, oh, sorry, I'm not the problem. It, like, that just kind of creates a domino effect of, like, very much loser mentality. And, and nothing, no progress is going to be made there. So that's my take on Zach Wilson. I, I think that he's a fine young man and but I don't think he's good enough to be an NFL quarterback and he very well could be good enough but even in the case that he is being good enough he you know he's going to be failed by this organization that just like assumes that just because they draft you you're going to be amazing right and I think that Sam Darnold suffered for the exact same thing Sam Darnold had all the talents coming out of USC everybody thought he was going to be amazing step in and, and and play and be great for the New York Jets well no he needed a little bit of work and nobody actually nobody helped him on that and so now he goes to the Panthers and he looks just as bad but it's because they didn't, he wasn't he he's he's basically the same quarterback that he was in college and obviously college football is extremely different from the NFL and so if these guys don't get the type of nurturing that they need from an organization who cares about them and wants them to succeed and provides them with the you know the tools to be able to do that, their tools and resources. Th- it's not going to happen. You can't just expect a guy to to walk on a field and be a star. Uh, you know that's it's very rare for that to happen. And even when it does happen, it's it's you know it usually comes with some bumps along the way. So that's my whole thing with Zach Wilson. I I don't I don't expect I didn't expect him to be good, and he's not good, right? And so yes, it's unfortunate that he had a bad press conference, and and Hayden mentioned all the leadership stuff. I think that's completely true. 
as the quarterback, you have to be a leader. I think you know, obviously, right. So the the game with uh, Josh Allen when he lost to the when the Bills lost to the lost to the Vikings in that crazy overtime game. You know, you come off the field and you're like Josh. Or no, I think it might have been the. Um, Maybe the Dolphins game. I, one of the losses the Bills had, it was, you know, Josh Allen gets up there and they're like, you know, what went wrong? And he blames it all on himself. And he says, it's me. I got to be better. I got to do that. And it's like very simple. That's what you should be doing. But again, if Josh, or if Zach Wilson, if, if all that's around him is, you know, you suck, you need to do better. Why would he think that he needs to take the blame for all of it when that's what he's been to- being told 100% of the time anyway, right? If he has coaching around him, if he has support around him, if his teammates believe in him, then sure. And, and I get that he needs to show some leadership, obviously, because quarterback, like, regardless of what you how you feel, you have to take the blame for the loss because you're the quarterback and that's what you get paid to do. I get that. All right, but but a lot of this could be stemming from the fact that he just doesn't have any other options, right? And, he, and he's kind of trying to – it's more of like a silent cry for help, I think, than it is anything to do with like him just you know kind of not caring about playing football. The other thing about this, why are we starting Mike White? All right, I get that he broke the record. He actually – I think Hayden said he threw a pro for a bunch of yards. I think he actually broke the record for like most completions in a game that in that game too, like in NFL history. It was like the most random thing to ever happen. Um, so I get that we're starting Mike White. Good for him. But I, there's another guy on the team named Joe Flacco, and I know that he's a washed-up, you know, past Super Bowl champion. But uh, in case you haven't been following this too well, and the stats were, were, were very bad uh, this past year. I think the, the craziest one was that the Jets had more punts than completions in this game. Obviously, Zach Wilson, you know, kind of didn't really take the blame for that either, but whatever. Guess how many t- – and I hate – let's play a game right now. And you may have heard this, but – Okay. Guess how many touchdowns Zach Wilson has thrown on the season? Um, on the season, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with like twelve. Four. Oh Guess how God. many touchdowns Joe Flacco has thrown on the season? Uh, eight. Five. Dang so it. there you go. That really explains how this whole thing is going for Zach Wilson. It's not going too well. But why are we starting Mike White? Joe Flacco won that game in Cleveland. Remember that game where they scored 14 points in like 45 seconds? That was Joe Flacco. Like, I think he went 2-1 and one with his team to start the season. Then he, Zach Wilson kind of came in to replace them. And, you know, Zach Wilson did all right, but whatever. So I think this should be Joe Flacco. I don't know why Mike's White's starting, yeah. but, you know, that's kind of my opinion. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. I Honestly, when I saw the announcement that Mike White would be starting – I, I was the same way. I was I was really confused because I was like, dude, Joe Flacco started the season for them and he did really well and he he was throwing to Garrett Wilson and, and getting him involved and everything like that. But uh, but yeah, that's I don't know. We'll we'll see with Mike White though. He might have another crazy game where he breaks another NFL record uh, in, in his first game of the season. But moving on to college football now. So Tennessee blew their chances at the college football playoff by giving up 63 points to South Carolina this past weekend. If you were watching that game, you probably just sat there in in disbelief because that was me. I was just sitting there. For, I started watching, I think, this, from the second quarter on, I watched, and I, I could not believe my eyes. I basically didn't take my eyes off the TV. I, and I, just, I don't know. I mean, South Carolina looked like, they look like Alabama. They look like Georgia out there. It was it was crazy. I mean, the Tennessee defense is kind of bad. They they have been across the season compared to their offense. They're crazy firepower on offense. But this kind of sucks because they had the Tennessee had such a great argument for making the playoff if they were to win out. Even if they were, well, they're in the they're they're in the SEC East, right, Matt? They're in the SEC East, and so and Georgia is in the SEC West, right, Matt? No, they're in the SEC. Okay. <laughs> Georgia's in the SEC East, and they've already won the SEC East because yeah. they beat Tennessee. And so that that being said, 
Tennessee beat the two best teams from the SEC West. That would be Alabama yes. and LSU. Oh, so, so they would be, make it to the so the SEC championship. No. They Georgia makes it to the SEC championship because they beat Tennessee. So that head-to-head matchup, oh, right. whoever won that game would have represented the SEC East in the SEC championship. Therefore, they play the winner of the SEC West, which now is LSU. So based on but however, Tennessee's argument for making the playoff pr- obviously before this week, was the fact that they beat the two best teams in the SEC West, Alabama and LSU. The only loss they had was to Georgia, who was going to go undefeated and probably win another championship in back-to-back years. And so, because ergo, the other teams in the top four would lose. Michigan-Ohio State, we're going to preview that game right after this. One of them would drop out. TCU goes undefeated. Okay, cool, they win their conference championship. And Tennessee goes in because they have the best resume otherwise. Yes, that's – there you go. So, <laughs> so here we go. But not anymore, obviously. So right, yeah. So we're just gonna kind of go over a couple teams that we think should make the playoff. If well, now that Tennessee is not gonna make the playoff, um, obviously we're gonna we're gonna pencil in here that the winner of Ohio State, Michigan, is gonna make the playoff, and then also Georgia is gonna make the playoff. So we're gonna we're gonna solidify those two teams as the the top two playoff teams and then we're gonna go we're gonna give a couple teams that we think are gonna be three and four I think that we should go one and one here so I think Matt you should you can give your first team here I'll give my first team as well and it, they'll probably there will definitely be some overlap but I hope that there's a little bit of a little bit of parity so Matt go ahead and give one team that you think should I think bid. I think we could even do two teams each because there kind of is there are some crazy scenarios that could happen yeah um, but what I'm saying is you give one team yes. and then I give one team and then you give another team and I give another Perfect. team. Perfect. Yes. Um my my team is going to be TCU obviously they're already in as of right now. Uh so really all they need to do is win out. Okay? They control their own destiny. The problem is, well, yeah. The problem is if they lose they're out. Okay? So that's kind of the the deal with this is, you know, if you go 13 and 0 and you're Big 12 champion, that's that's a that's an amazing college football season right there. Uh, the problem is you actually have to do that. Obviously, TCU is now eleven and zero after their win against Baylor last week. They're playing Iowa State this week. They're I think they're 10, 11 point favorites or something like that. It, it might be a closer game. Like uh, Iowa State might cover the spread, uh, and and TCU might not blow them out, but TCU should still win that game just based off of talent alone. And then they're going to play. Well, see here, and this is kind of where you get into the weeds a little bit because they're going to play in the Big Twelve Championship. TCU has already solidified a spot in the Big 12 championship, but their opponent in the Big 12 championship is still up for grabs. What we're thinking, what's probably going to happen is probably going to be Kansas State, all right, because Kansas State Central Julie just needs to beat the team that they're playing this week. I completely forgot who it was. And then they're going to be in. Um, I believe that – I think it's – It's Kansas. Yeah, that's why I was, yeah. thought it was Kansas. Uh, and Kansas is as, as great of a story as they are. You know, they're, they're kind of reeling here at the end of the season. Uh, and so I think Kansas State will probably pretty easily be able to win that game. I think the only other teams that it could be is um, Texas and Oklahoma State maybe. Um, I don't know if – well, because Oklahoma State lost last week, so I don't know if – because they lost to Oklahoma. Right. So, but I don't know if they would still make it over Oklahoma. Yeah, maybe it's only Kansas State and Texas. Yeah. Um, either way, I mean, TCU's already beaten both those teams. They beat everybody in the Big 12 <laughs> this season so far. So, I, I think it's going to be Kansas State. The interesting thing about this Kansas State and TCU matchup was when they played previously, okay, Kansas State got out to a lead of 28-10 to 10 in this game. Then their quarterbacks got hurt. Their first, Adrian Martinez, their starting quarterback, as well as Will Howard, their backup quarterback, who's arguably better than Adrian Martinez, but we're not even getting into that now. So Kansas State's playing with their third-string quarterback, and TCU storms all the way back. They score 28 straight points, and they win the game 38-28. to 
So that was a crazy game. Well, if we get a rematch of that in the Big 12 Championship, I think that's going to be a really good game because Kansas State's going to be healthy again. They'll have their top two quarterbacks in. And TCU, obviously kind of coming off of what would have looked like a probably a loss in that game, now is facing the same team, but they know kind of the blueprint for how to come back and beat this team. So that's going to be an interesting game in and of itself whenever that comes. But the story is if TCU wins out, they are in. So that's kind of a simple one. I know I went a little bit long on that, but that's kind of the Big 12 picture as it stands right now. I don't think we're going to be talking too much more about the Big 12. So that's kind of the the summary of what's going on here, but my team is TCU. And like I said, if they, they control their own destiny, if they win out, they're in, if they lose either one of the games, they lose to Iowa state this week, they're out. Right. So kind of the same deal there. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, it depends on literally so many other things, but for all intents and purposes, like TCU needs to win out and they'll be in the college football playoff. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I mean, that that would be my team as well, but I'm going to give another team here. That's probably the next most obvious team and that's USC. If if they if USC wins out, if they win the Pac-12 championship, which we kind of all expect them to do, but anything could happen because it's the Pac-12. If USC wins out, that's going to be kind of another problem because if and especially if TCU loses a game, that's going to be like so tough for the committee to do. They have to decipher between TCU and USC because they're both they could both be Big 12 champions. I mean, they could they they could both be conference champions while also having one loss each. And then you've got Michigan who lost in the conference championship or no, you've got Michigan who lost to Ohio state and is out of the conference championship and they don't need Right. So they're not even in the playoff, assuming that Michigan loses this, this week, um, they would be out of the college football playoff. If Ohio state loses, they would also be out of the college football playoff. So like, I guess you have one big 10 team in there. You're going to pencil in one big 10 team there. But if USC wins and, TCU, if they both end with a with a third, let's just say twelve and one record, TCU and and USC, that's going to be a really tough one. But I I do think at at that point you have to put, I guess you have to put both of them in because they have the best records. And then but then you've also got like Clemson who could also be, I don't know. I mean it's it there it's kind of tough. But I think that USC is probably the next one, the next the next surefire team that gets in if they, if they do win out. Yeah, I think the most likely scenario at this point is going to be. Georgia, and then the winner of Ohio State, Michigan, which I think is going to be Ohio State, and then TCU and USC. I think that's probably the most likely chance thing to happen. But as we know, it's college football, and it's pretty crazy, and that's probably not what's going to end up happening. Yeah. So I'm going to let Hayden do Clemson because that's kind of the, I guess, pretty much if any of those three teams lose more than once, Clemson will pretty much fit in as long as yeah. they win their conference championships. So I'll let Hayden kind of do that quickly right after I go. Um, and I'm going to kind of – I'm going to talk about the LSU angle, okay? So – they're ranked number five right now. They're actually the next best team, quote unquote, you know, kind of getting into the top four here. USC is surprising. I was very surprised that USC is ranked six below LSU. But it's because essentially if LSU loses the title game to Georgia, they're not going to be in anyway. Okay. But the thing is, well, first of all, LSU has to win their game against Texas A&M this coming Saturday, but Texas A&M is an absolute dumpster fire, so I think that LSU will probably win that game, and then they'll obviously represent the SEC West in the SEC Championship against Georgia. If they beat Georgia, that would be... That would cause concern for most people on the face of the earth. 
and obviously, again, we're, we're kind of we're, we're putting this into perspective based on the other things that could happen within the sport. All right. So if TCU and USC win out, they'll make the college football playoff. OK, cool. Georgia, I think even if they lose to LSU, they'll probably still make it just because of how dominant they've been. It would be their one loss as a non-conference, non-conference champion, but in the SEC and they went 12-0 in the SEC the regular season. Like it, it, I think Georgia's going to be in no matter what. All right. And then obviously you have Ohio State, Michigan, because either of those teams that win, they're going to face off in the Big 12 or the Big 10 championship against probably Iowa. Iowa and either team, whether it's Iowa, Purdue, Illinois, Minnesota, it doesn't matter. Ohio State and Michigan are both going to, either one of them will, will beat the crap out of any of those teams. So they'll make it in. Okay, cool. So where are we land now? So what if LSU beats Georgia and LSU or in TCU and USC also win out? This is where we get into a little bit of the crazy situation because you can argue that LSU has a very good argument to be into the college football playoff and be one of the you know best teams in college football. Because, obviously, they went through an SEC schedule, okay? They beat, you know, teams with very good teams with winning records. Mississippi State, I think, is 7-4. and four. Uh, Ole Miss is still in the top 25. They're 8-3. and three. And, obviously, you have the win against Alabama, who's a top 10 team. Their only losses, their only loss is, well, there are two losses. One is to Florida State, which happened literally on the first week of the season in a crazy game where they basically missed an extra point and, and, and didn't win that game. But Florida State is now 8-3 and three and, like, in the top 15 in the country. And then Tennessee, obviously, who is basically the next best team, I think. I mean, seriously, if, like, if, if anything else happened, like, or if, if Tennessee just wins this game, they're in the college football playoffs. So that's how good of a Tennessee team that is, and LSU lost to Tennessee as well. So their two losses are very good losses, both to top 15 teams in the country, right? And then you beat Georgia, who is the best team in the country. Do Does LSU deserve to be in as a two-loss SEC champion over teams like USC and TCU, who obviously TCU would have no losses, and USC would only have one loss in a walk-off two-point conversion against Utah? Would LSU have good of, of good enough of an argument to be able to make it in over those teams? I don't know. It would be up to the committee to decide. But the thing is, guys, I don't think so. I think that the committee very much values winning the games that are on your plate, winning the games on your schedule, and then obviously winning your conference as well. So in that case, Georgia, I think, trumps it, right? They lo- Their only loss of the season is going to be an SEC championship. They've won the rest of their games on their schedule. They've been dominant in all the other wins. And then, likewise with TCU and USC, they've won all the, game- won all the games on their schedule, and they win their conference tournament or their conference championship. LSU, sorry, man. Like, you know, you had your chances. You got blown out by, like, 30 points at home to Tennessee. That should not happen, all right? As good as the Tennessee team is, if you want to be a, if you want to spot in the college football playoff, you got to win that game. Same with Florida State. I know it was all the way back in the first week of the season, but – Make an extra point, all right? Like, get a good kicker in there. It's Baton Rouge. So, that's, I think, our LSU has an argument. But at the end of the day, I don't think that the committee is going to allow a two-loss team in when there's going to be plenty of other teams, one-loss conference champion teams, that deserve a spot in the playoff. Yeah, I think you're completely right. And especially, like, if TCU does go undefeated, like, TCU, any undefeated team is going gonna, is gonna to make it in, no matter what like conference non not conference i mean they're obviously like the teams that aren't in a conference like notre dame they already have a bunch of losses so they wouldn't be able to make it but i mean any that that is the thing like if you go undefeated in your season it i don't care who you play you should make it into the college football playoff because that right like matt said i mean you've got to win your games during the season and lsu didn't win two games already and one of them was against Tennessee, and they got smacked. I think it was like 41 to 13 or something like that. Again, that's the kind of like the nitty-gritty stuff is when you get down to the score and the, and the point differential. That takes a lot to get down to to, um, to, to to that point to, I guess, nitpick at that point. But 
the college football playoff committee does that, and and I do think that if LSU does somehow beat Georgia, I think Matt's right. I think that they're probably still going to stay out of it, and it's crazy because they're number five right now. So you would think, okay, if if one of these top top four teams loses, in you know you know especially like before their their conference championship, then boom, LSU is the next one up. But right, they they have those two losses, and it's it's just tough to put a a team like that over over a team that only has one loss and has, has been so dominant this season like Georgia. So, yes, I think Matt's completely right there. I Clemson is is the last team, like Matt said, I'm going to talk about a little bit, but it's not going to be that much because we've already gone through the most compliment, complicated scenarios. And we've honestly gone through, like, basically every scenario right now. So I think the only chance that Clemson does get in is if Clemson wins their conference championship, they go – 12 and one and then TCU loses some game along the way um and and obviously like we said whatever team between Ohio State and Michigan which whichever team loses that game is probably going to be kicked out assuming Clemson goes undefeated for the rest of the season they've got I think I think the ACC championship has already decided to be Clemson and UNC and so all they have to focus on is South Carolina coming up this coming week that's a little bit of a scary game if, if I mean if you're going off of recency bias I don't think that South Carolina is that good Spencer Rattler had the game of his life otherwise like I think Spencer I think that game would have taken Spencer Rattler probably four games to get like that stat line that he had against Tennessee would have taken him four games to get to on a regular basis so I I think that that was very much a fluke 63 points is hard to call a fluke but I really do think that they're not going to replicate that against Clemson. And then Clemson is probably going to go undefeated through through the rest of the season and win their conference championship. Again, if they do, and if TCU loses a game, either this game coming up or the um, or the conference championship game, I do think that Clemson could get in over TCU. They probably won't just because TCU's had had a pretty dominant season, and just because I think there is there is a little bit of like fan favorite bias too that the committee has TCU's been a huge fan favorite this season if they did end up with the same record as Clemson and even if they lost even if they weren't a conference champion and Clemson was a conference champion I don't know like it it, they they still could still pick TCU because again the conference championship is technically the two best teams in that conference it is the two best teams you know, across that whole year, it, it should be your toughest matchup so far that you've had. And so if TCU loses in the conference championship and Clemson wins in their conference championship, I think I think the committee is going to look in. Um, I mean, I think the committee is going to look at the ACC and say, OK, well, this is a much worse conference than the Big 12 has been this whole year. We don't really care that Clemson has won their conference champion, their conference championship, TCU has made it to the conference championship undefeated. They lost. Yes, that's unfortunate, but they're also the fan favorite. I do think that TCU will make it in over Clemson, even if they lose their comp- they lose a game and, and Clemson wins out. So I said that Clemson could be the last team in just because the committee could turn on, on its head and pick them to go in over TCU if TCU does lose. But I do think that, I don't know. In my opinion, and what I what I think the committee will do, I think they'll still let TCU in, even if even if Clemson wins out. So yeah, yeah. I think Clemson's only chance is if USC or TCU both lose both the rest of their games. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. much it. Uh, which USC, it's it's going to be tough. Like USC, kind of a lot of people, not not many people are talking about. Like obviously, Caleb Williams getting all the hype for the for the Heisman and everything. But USC has to play Notre Dame this week, and Notre Dame, as we know, is has gotten a lot. A heck of a lot better throughout the season, and they're playing them this week, and then they'll probably play Oregon in the Black Belt Championship, and Oregon's also very good as well. So, 
that could very well happen. You, USC could end up basically just like most times the Pac-12 has a chance. They actually don't have a chance. So anyway, uh, Clemson still has a chance, but you know, I, I think it's just gonna. I think TCU and USC are, are definitely the two favorites there. Moving on to the NBA. There's there's one guy and one guy only, and his name is Anthony Davis, and he goes by the nickname of The Brow. He has led one of the most dominant four-game stretches we've seen in the history of basketball. He's finally injury-free. He's performing out of his mind, no matter who's on the floor with him. All right. So the question becomes, do we think that there's a reason as to why he's putting up such big numbers? Is it a result of his star teammates, Russell Westbrook and LeBron James, not being or being more quiet as of late? Or could it be something else? Hayden, what do you think? I think it is a result of it. Well, LeBron hasn't played, I think, for the past five games. And Russell Westbrook, I I can't really remember his stats off the top of my head. I did a little bit of research for this topic, but basically Russell Westbrook, I think, has been also pretty quiet over the last over the last four games. Anthony Davis, when he, I think the thing that the Lakers are doing right right now, and I watched their game last night against, uh, I forget who they were playing. Um, I watched their game last night, and I don't watch that much NBA during the season, but I, I wanted to see this game because Anthony Davis is is going crazy, and I wanted to see him go off again. Um, and so, I mean, he did it again last night. He had like 37 points and 21 rebounds or something like that. Matt texted me this morning, and he was like, he was like, LOL, Anthony Davis just put up numbers that nobody's put up since 1970. And I was like, yeah, that's that sounds about right because he's yeah, he's been absolutely dominant. But what they're do what the Lakers are doing essentially is they're letting Anthony Davis kind of facilitate. And I think that that's been something that he hasn't been able to do, especially because you've got Russell Westbrook in LA now. You've got LeBron James in LA. You, well, you've had him there for, you know, for quite a while now. But right, like those those are two guys that are facilitators basically by nature I mean Russell Westbrook's more of like a you, you could argue he's more of a ball hog and then he kind of facilitates like when he's not really shooting the ball well or when he's kind of on a cold streak he starts passing the ball a little bit more LeBron is like the definition of a facilitator I mean he's he's always looking for the pass and he's always looking to to give his teammates the ball but I think when Anthony Davis is in this role of, of being the facilitator of taking the ball up to court sometimes and kind of just letting himself cook and, and everybody else just kind of like giving him an ISO opportunity and, and letting him cook that way he's able to right pass the ball out if, if you know if he's if he's getting double double teamed which he is getting double teamed a lot by now because of his you know of, of his performances as of late but um but I, I do think that right they're they're kind of letting Anthony Davis become the facilitator while Russell Westbrook and, and LeBron are, ca- are taking more of a backseat in, you know, in this, um, in this offensive attack. So I do think that Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis thrives in this kind of basketball. He did the same thing at Kentucky when he was so dominant. He was, you know, he was, he was more of a down low guy, obviously, but he he's a guy that needs the ball in his hands. And when you have so many stars on a team like LA, we've talked about this, Many times in the past, we talk about the Lakers a lot, and anytime that we do, we mention that they have too many stars, and I think it's true. But when one of your stars is hurt, like LeBron is, or when he's, you know, when one of your stars is sitting out, and the other star isn't ball hogging as much as he usually does, one of the most notorious ball hoggers in the history of basketball, uh, and Russell Westbrook, when you have both of those guys with not the ball in their hands and you have the ball in Anthony Davis's hands, he's able to do what he's what he's best at. Um obviously the the Lakers record is still not the best. They're like I think they're still like five and ten. So they still need to get the ball rolling. Um but I, I don't I don't really know what you do when LeBron comes back and I don't know really how you 
tell Russell Westbrook to keep on passing the ball. Like it's 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 one of those things that I think that we'll probably see Anthony Davis not really keep this up for the rest of the season. Obviously, not keep this this kind of these kinds of numbers up. But like, I don't know. I I don't think that he's gonna do this well or maybe even close to this well for the rest of the season because you're going to have guys like LeBron and Russell Westbrook back on the floor who are going to want the ball in their hands too. So I don't know. I I think that it's been great seeing Anthony Davis do this, but I don't think we're going to be able to, to, I'm, I don't think that we're going to see him be able to keep it up at all. I, I think, I mean, Hayden's analysis was really good right there. I'm not even going to go for, for that much on this. I think it's just that he's just not hurt anymore. Like, very simply, we saw in the twenty two. I get it. It was the bubble, all right, in in the in the Disney World and all that, and they they put they won the championship, okay. And you know who the MVP was of that entire finals run? It was Anthony Davis. He played absolutely out of his mind. Now he played out of his mind, yes, but he played up to the caliber that he'd been playing ever since he got into the league. He is an absolute beast. The problem is he was drafted the Pelicans, all right. So he played there for like six or seven years and was an amazing player and really led that he he actually led them to the playoffs I think multiple times as like the only player even capable on that team and that's why obviously I mean he was you know kind of branded as one of the top five players in the league and that's why the Lakers went out to get him and so they did and, and trade all the picks and whatever and now you have him they won a championship in their first year together great okay cool it's been absolutely nothing since then and it's largely because Anthony Davis can't stay healthy. And, you know, it's partly credit to him. It's partly not. It's, you know, all the load management stuff, whatever. But he's he's finally healthy now, and, and he's doing exactly what he always really has. And so I don't think he's going to be continuous, continuing to average 30 points. But Hayden said that he doesn't think it's, it can continue. I think it very much will continue because that's really all he's ever done since he's been in the league when he's been fully healthy. Like I said, maybe not 30 points a game, but, you know, averaging a double-double, close to a triple-double every single game. That's what he did when he was on the Pelicans. It just kind of went under the radar because who cares about the Pelicans? Uh, I actually do. They're actually my favorite team. But anyway, yeah, that's the thing with with Anthony Davis is it's tough to, after so much injury and so much watching him just not live up to his potential, to now say, wow, this guy is insane, but it's never going to last anymore. Well, yeah, but, you know, this is what he's been doing. This is always what he has done, uh, even back to his days in college at Kentucky. So so great for Anthony Davis. I think it's good that it's happening. But here's the thing, all right? And obviously it's making news because Anthony Davis is one of the best players in the NBA, and he plays at the Lakers, who are the, you know, highest-valued franchise and, well, one of the most highly-valued franchises in the, in the entire world. But we got to be real about something, all right? The Lakers are 5-11. and 11. They are in 14th place out of 15 teams in the West. They are only better than the Rockets, who are trying to lose all of their games. Whether the Lakers are actually trying to lose all their games or not, I don't know. And if they aren't trying to lose all their games and they're actually trying to win, then that's even worse than I thought. Because they are statistically, I think, the 26th, 27th best team in the NBA, which is the third worst team uh, in the NBA. So... It, they're not a good team, okay? Like, you know, Russell Westbrook is, he's, yes, he's playing better. He started off the season absolutely horrible, and he's playing better. So is Anthony Davis. That's great. But at the same time, like, you, the team needs to win games, and whatever combination of whoever they have going on, and then obviously they have the new coach, Darvin Ham, like, whatever he decides to do, that's fine. But, like, you got to win. You got to put dubs on the stat sheet, all right? There's there's a lot of teams out there right now that should not be winning games that are. The Kings have won six in a row. The Pacers have won five in a row. These teams are, like, four, Kings are the fourth in the West, all right? The Pacers, I think, are, are fourth in the east, fifth, fifth in the East or something like that. Nobody expected that. These, they thought these teams were going to tank, and here they are doing really well. And and so maybe that's some of the you know maybe some of that is at the Lakers Lakers expense. But at the end of the day, like 
he can have all the stats he, that, that in, in the entire world, and he can look like the best player on a bad team, which is all that he was on the Pelicans as well. Okay, you got one championship out of it, but now, once again, he's the best player on a really bad team. So, yeah, kind of sucks for Anthony Davis. Good that he's doing well, but the Lakers are not even going to become close to the, making the playoffs, so they're going to be irrelevant towards the end of the season, which I am totally fine with. Me as well. All right, let's move on to our Thanksgiving segment here. So I actually just noticed, Matt, that um, that the transitions. I so I promised everybody that I would not put the the Christmas transitions in before Thanksgiving, and I've I've stayed true to my promise. But I think since this episode, since we're recording the night before Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Eve, some might say, and since most people are going to be listening to this either on Thanksgiving or after Thanksgiving, I think that. It it deserve and it's it's our, it's our first holiday themed episode. It's our first holiday segment. I think that we deserve to put Christmas transition or we yeah we we deserve to put holiday transitions in, um in in between segments here. So that's what I'm gonna do. This is a little note to my future editing self. Um, you guys are gonna hear Christmas transitions and you will already have heard them if you're this far in the podcast already. So there you go. But. We're going to do a little Thanksgiving would you rather here. So we've actually had would you rather segments in the past. I think I forget what they were for. I think one of them was just like an NBA would you rather. And and we, we tried to make it funny with that. Um, the, these are more serious. Like I, I think that we could really get down to business in in discussing the the uh, the real semantics of these would you rather questions. But yeah, they are Thanksgiving themed. Um, I tried to make it so that both sides of the would you rather were had to do with Thanksgiving. But I think there's a couple of them where it's kind of just like random because it was something that popped up in my head. So the first one here, I'm going to ask them, Adam, we're, we're both going to answer here. So we've got four of them and we're both going to answer. So we're going to hear eight answers for these. Uh, the first one here is, would you rather give up the night game on Thanksgiving Day, the night football game, or your favorite Thanksgiving side dish? This is a good one because the two best parts about Thanksgiving is food and football. Exactly. And you, in this case, you're having to choose between both of them. Personally, personally, I don't have an ultimate favorite Thanksgiving side. I just like the whole meal altogether. So I'm actually going to say I would rather give up my favorite Thanksgiving side. I would say probably, I mean, if, if I have to narrow it down, I would say probably either either mashed potatoes or, or, or uh or mac and cheese. Either of those are kind of my faves, uh, but I would be willing to give one of those up to to watch another football game because that's, I mean, that's what the holiday's about. And also, that's what this podcast is about. And that's usually, in most conf- most seconds of the day, it's what my life is about. So, you know, sports over food. Yeah, I see. And I, w- I was going to go here. I was going to go out on a limb and say I'd rather give up the night game because you do have the two early games. And I think that I, honestly, t- to me, I think the most interesting game usually, or the one that I watch the most, is usually the twelve thirty game. It's usually the first game that comes on right after the, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And yes, I am I am a, a watcher that partakes in the viewing of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, whether you like it or not. There's actually, I think, our next question involves the the, the parade, so you're going to hear about that. But um, which is a little bit controversial, but uh. But yeah, I think I'm I'm gonna take the the side that Matt's taking as well, and I would rather I would rather omit the f- favorite Thanksgiving side because yeah, there's just so many there's so many different sides that you have. There's some I mean you got dessert too, so it's like there's so many different foods that you have on Thanksgiving that 
it kind of overwhelms your favorite dish. If you don't have your favorite dish on there, there's still so many other tasty things on the menu. So um, yeah, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to go with omitting the favorite Thanksgiving side over the the night game because the night game is kind of like a tradition. You know, you stay up until basically midnight watching the watching the last game of the day and it's like you got a little 12 to 12 football action it's just it's it's great so that's what i'm going with the thing that would have made my made me change my answer and probably you too hating on this question is if you give up all of the sides and you only eat turkey or oh, you have the night game that's see that changes things yeah no oh for sure yeah, but, you, i mean because the sides are the best part right yeah so, so at that point you'd, you'd give up the you'd give up yeah. the football for for more food uh the second question is as Hayden mentioned, has to do with the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. So the question is, would you rather perform in the parade, or and going a little, going a little, <laughs> going a little international on this one, or would you rather the USA actually be good in the World Cup? <laughs> I, and this is this is kind of a tough one because when you think about it, you're like, okay, this is kind of stupid. Obviously, like you'd rather you'd rather perform in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. That's kind of a once in a lifetime deal for most people, at least that that do end up performing in the in the parade. But also, like the USA, I mean, they haven't been to the World Cup in eight years. This is their first performance in eight years, and this this is being recorded on Wednesday. They do have their match against England on Friday, but they did tie Wales one to one. I think Wales hasn't made a World Cup in fifty years, so. That's pretty sad. Like the U- like the US, everybody was so hype about them coming into the World Cup this year and right, they haven't played in a World Cup in 8 years. Fine, they didn't make the last World Cup, whatever, but you should still beat Wales who hasn't made a World Cup in 50 years and you tie them. It's a little bit disappointing. I think this one is pretty tough. I'd probably rather perform in the Thanksgiving Day Parade. Like I said, I am I am a I am an avid watcher of the, I mean, I watch the whole thing. I wake up I make sure I'm up by nine to start watching it, and I watch it until twelve. It's three hours. Lots of people probably turn it off between those three hours, but I don't. I leave it on the whole time. Um, I'm I'm interested to see what Matt would say on this because again, like we're saying, like this, the USA in the World Cup, having them be good in the World Cup, that's a huge deal. Like when the when the women's team, the U.S. women's team, last won the World Cup, which was uh, what was it like back in 2012 or something like that. That was super exciting. Like that was a that was a nationwide celebration, and that's something that is pretty rare. I mean, that's that that's really cool to have. So I think that the the, the USA World Cup is a little bit slept on here. I'm interested to see what Matt would say. I'm gonna say perform in the in the parade. Okay. But here's the thing. All right, a couple things on the World Cup because we didn't. I wanted to do a topic oh, on right. it, but we didn't. It, it, it's okay. I'll do a couple quick things here first. The first thing is. The World Cup is awesome, all right? I love the World Cup. And it's so – I think it's honestly – well, I don't know. I was going to say it's so cool that it's happening now in the fall because it's like all these other sports are happening and you also have the World Cup going on. I enjoy when it's in the summer, though. I mean, obviously, I understand why they had to move it to the falls because the summer in Qatar is like 140 degrees every single day. But anyway, so I, I'm, I'm excited for it. I like it. I'm keeping up with the scores. I'm keeping up with who's doing well, who's going to move on, who's going to you know qualify for the group stage. Got it. Cool. It's it's I it's amazing and we've already seen the madness. Okay, Saudi Arabia beat Argentina. Like, are you kidding me? That is it. It's like I think it was the biggest upset in the history of the World Cup. Um, we saw t- today actually. Um, J- Japan beat Germany. Like mm-hmm. that just doesn't have. So it's it's a very now obviously the the elements are a little bit different because you have teams that are used to playing in hot weather like Saudi Arabia versus a team you know like Argentina who kind of plays in you know colder milder weather. I think the weather is actually and the turf and like, obviously the grass you know. Comp- composition is a little bit different too 
that's starting to catch up with teams. And I think that's kind of throwing a wrench into all of this. Well, I think it's an exciting thing because, I mean, you know, we don't want to just see the best teams win everything. Um, so I think it's it's been really cool. And and I think I love the World Cup so much, too, because and again, I'm not like I'm not Hardo soccer fan. All right. And I'm going to have a message for you, Hardo soccer fans, in just a couple seconds. But I do like watching it. And I like following it. I like seeing what happens. And obviously, you know, it's, it's a tournament style bracket. Cool. And as such, I liken it to March Madness. That's why I love the, the World Cup so much is because it's it's well, March Madness is like that. The first second weekend in March is my favorite three days of the year, like hands four days of the year hands down nick no holds barred i don't even care if it's the first weekend of football give me march madness every all day every day so and the world cup is like a month of march madness it's it's awesome so i i love the world cup simply because of the fact that anything can happen it's usually crazy and it, it it's i don't know i mean it, it's obviously like the world's best biggest sport and all the world's countries are playing together like it's it's, it's just awesome here's my second part and and, and hayden kind of started off on the whole usa thing Here's the deal. First of all, Wales actually got to the semifinals in the Euro Cup at 2020. Well, they played in 2021, but it was supposed to be Euro 2020. So they're a good team. All right. Gareth Bale plays for Wales. He is a Hall of Fame soccer player, football player. Football. Okay? So Wales is pretty good. They were actually favored to get out of the group with England. Okay. So it's not like Wales is Costa Rica and, and we're losing by 7-0 seven, seven to Costa Rica. Okay. We drew Wales. Fine. Okay, cool. But all I've seen is people just berating this USA team for, oh, that's so horrible. And, you know, we we play so bad and the women's team is so much better. Yes, they are. And they deservedly so, right? I mean, they are amazing. But, you know, oh, the the men's team, they just, they can't do it. And and this is just not our sport and we suck. And, oh, bring on the back. Like, guys. We haven't we the US didn't even qualify, all right, for the last one. We've been waiting eight years to watch our soccer team represent our country and play in the World Cup. Can we just enjoy the four games that we play? All right? Like God, like please, okay? We're probably not gonna qualify. And that's okay. We weren't expected to qualify. So don't get all riled up just because we drew Wales one one. I get it, we were leading one one nil at halftime and we left that we allowed a late goal okay fine all right it's wales is good okay wales is gonna qualify they'll probably move on to the quarterfinals so but just cool it a little bit let's enjoy watching the team play it's 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 four games we got we got like a week and a half more and then the u.s will probably not be in the world cup anymore and you'll still be watching the soccer games and you'll congratulate the country that wins the championship okay but it's fine. We're not expected to be good, so don't act like we should be good. That that's that's my point here. All right. Now and obviously the USC is getting better. So at this point, I guess you know we have however many more US players are spread across the European clubs more so than ever before. Okay. And and obviously we didn't even qualify for the World Cup last time it happened, so we sucked then. We qualified this time. Okay. Congratulations. So we're in it. We're probably not going to make it past the group stage. That's fine. But 2026. That's when people are saying is this team is going to be coming together. We're going to have a bunch of the you know the younger players that are really good now are going to have matured and, and be a lot better. So we're building towards something, okay? We're, you know, it's like, like this is what I liken it to, is like us just all being fans of the Jacksonville Jaguars. You can't, you the Jaguars are never going to make the playoffs. You So you can't expect them to make the playoffs. Pull every Jag, every actual Jaguars fan, and they will say, yeah, we know we're not going to win the Super Bowl, but we cheer for our team because when we win games, it's really fun. So... It, U.S. soccer fans, let's not be Jaguars fans. Let's be fans of our country who's playing for our team and, and soccer as a whole. And it is what it is. All right. A draw against Wales is OK. We're probably going to get clobbered by England, but it's fine. I hate USA soccer. No, I'm kidding. 
<laughs> no, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with Matt. Again, I, I think it is, it is, it is just a little bit of an emotional overreaction by USA fans, including me. I mean, I was one of those people that was, that was like, all right, dude, what the heck? It's Wales. But Matt makes a good point. They have one of the best soccer players in the world, in Gareth Bale, and he's the well, he's the one that scored the penalty kick because he got fouled in the penalty box, which was it was okay. If you want to talk about stupid penalties, like Gareth Bale had his back turned to the, and I'm, this is the last thing I'm going to say about soccer. Gareth Bale had his back turned towards the goal, and he was in the penalty box. He was probably he was probably about ten yards away. I mean, the penalty box is what eighteen yards. Uh, or, or 18, maybe 18 meters. I think it's 18 yards um, from the goal. And I, he was probably about 10 yards back, 10 to 12 yards from the goal. He had his back turned. He had the ball at his feet. And one of our guys just comes in and just like absolutely clobbers him from behind. It, it was a very, it, he didn't need to commit that penalty. Um, I think that we probably, they probably wouldn't have scored a goal if, if our, I forget who, I think it was like Zimmerman or something like that. Uh, if Zimmerman hadn't come up and just absolutely like clothesline Gareth Bale or taking out his legs, whatever he did. But, um, but it was, it was a pretty bad penalty, but I mean, yeah, what are you going to do? It's, 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 it's the, it's the speed of, of, of the game. So this third question here, I'm going to ask, ask the Matt is this third, would you rather, we kind of got a little bit off track here, but third, would you rather is, would you rather have the casual dry Turkey that we always have, or the, the usual dry Turkey that we always have on Thanksgiving, or would you rather have a rotisserie chicken from Sam's club? Hey, this is a good question. Many people are probably gonna get gonna get a get a little hot and bothered by this question, but uh, you can't knock a good rotisserie chicken, man. That's what I'm um, obviously, turkey is is the thing because it's on Thanksgiving and you have it on Thanksgiving. But yeah, I mean, taste wise, it's honestly not that much different, and turkey can get pretty dry. The only thing is, gravy is is very seldom used. In, in cooking in general, but it's like a staple on Thanksgiving. So obviously because Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday and I love it so much, I'm going to have to go turkey here because you put gravy on it. But if we're talking like no sides and no sauces and just straight up meat, um, I love talking straight up meat. It It's turkey or, or rotisserie chicken, and I'm going to have to go rotisserie chicken, but, but – but for Thanksgiving purposes, with the gravy and the sides and everything else, I have to have I have to have the dry turkey because you can lather it with gravy. You can mix it with the mashed potatoes. You got a lot of stuff to do. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go rotisserie chicken on this one because, and I'm one of those people that's like, hey, if if the food isn't good, stop stop including it in the tradition. Okay, everybody says, well, turkey is the you know the most like traditional Thanksgiving food you could ever have. Hey, the pilgrims weren't even eating turkey at the first Thanksgiving. Okay, they were they were, they were eating corn, beans, and squash. All right, they weren't eating turkey at the first Thanksgiving. So don't tell me that it's a it's a traditional Thanksgiving food. Give me that juicy rotisserie chicken from Sam's Club or Kroger, wherever you want to get it. I mean, the ones from Sam's Club is, uh, they're they're fat and they're, they're undeniable. Really, they're they're so good, very delectable. But um. But yes, I, I'm going with the rotisserie chicken all day, every day of the week. T- turkey's just way too dry. I I get it. I I like Matt's argument with the gravy, uh, and everything. But I I still do. Th- I mean, you could put gravy on a rotisserie chicken, but you don't even need to. You can add, just put some hot sauce on it, and it's gonna be five times better than than turkey with gravy. So give me give me that rotisserie chicken. All right, solid argument there from your boy Hayden. Yeah. Last one, last. Would you rather? And this is a this, this is gonna this is gonna strike a chord with with a lot of our viewers. The question is, would you rather watch your favorite team lose on Thanksgiving 
or not have any leftovers the day after Thanksgiving? And this is I love this question because it just it just gets at the sadness of the day after Thanksgiving, <laughs> yes. which I will know that I will have. And obviously, it's Black Friday, so if you're if you're a Black Friday person and you're going out at 3 a.m., then none of this even really matters because you care about shopping more than your your football and food. But yeah, it, it, this is this is playing on your emotions right now. So I'm interested to see what you say, Hayden. Yeah, I mean, this again, this this kind of this is a little bit of a a, a parallelism. Um, example here where we got we got football and food the best part of Thanksgiving in the last question we had it in the first question we got it coming up here in the last question again I'd rather have the Patriots and actually this is a pretty fitting question because the Patriots are playing on Thanksgiving against the Vikings um, as as the night game this this coming weekend or I, tomorrow what am I saying um, so right I mean would I rather have the Vikings beat the Patriots tomorrow than not have any leftovers on Friday Heck yeah, dude. I, I'd so much rather. I mean, the, the Patriots, like I said, they are in a very good spot, right? Well, not good spot, but they're they're in a better spot than than I was expecting them to be in this division at the beginning of the year. So, right, they, they have a chance if they beat the and if they beat a team like the Vikings, that that is that's huge for their confidence. And that's huge for the rest of the league saying, oh, oh crap, this team is actually pretty good. They beat the Vikings who are. What they're like eight and two right now. Um, so if, if they hand them their their second loss in a row, the Vikings that that were on an eight and on an eight and one run to start the season, I think that would be a, a great way to intimidate the rest of the league and the rest of that division. But dude, you can't go without leftovers on Black Friday when, like Matt said, we're not really big shoppers. We don't we we don't even leave the house on Black Friday because it's just madness on the roads and in every store ever so um so yeah and one thing that actually annoys me a lot about black friday is now that you basically have sales like the whole entire week leading up to black friday and the weekend after it's it's like it's not even black friday anymore it's the whole entire weekend so i gotta stay cooped up in my house the whole weekend but uh but yeah i mean give me give me leftovers over the patriots winning any day of the week i'd so much rather the patriots lose even in a situation like this where they're in or even in a situation that like the one that they're in right now, heading into Thursday, give me the Patriots losing and give me that nice turkey sandwich that I'm going to make myself on Friday. Yes, agreed. You can tell the uh, motivations and priorities prioritizations on this podcast because most people wouldn't be saying that. Most people yeah. would say, "Forget the leftovers. Give me a you know, give me a dub." I'm the same way. Again, I'm a lifelong Packers fan. I'm not extremely diehard. Like I'm more of a fan of the sport of all sports in general than I am of like my mood is dependent on the, you know, whether am I, whether or not my team wins. And, and two, like, you know, at this point, right. You know, if, if you're, if, if it's the Super Bowl, okay, yes. Like give me a win in the Super Bowl over the Thanksgiving leftovers, but a random regular season game when, you know, you're coming off of like two days rest and you're traveling to different places, like who knows what's going to happen. So much rather, on a day yes when you're not going out shopping for you know for 12 hours uh much rather have all the mac and cheese and everything that that you can all that delicious goodness to to put on a plate uh over over yes a regular you know a random regular season win in in kind of the middle of the season so yeah agreed on that one surprising because a lot of people probably go the opposite way but obviously you know i like my turkey yeah i i do too and um matt and i both love our food but with that being said that ends off today's episode 
of First Down Rundown. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you guys for tuning in. Again, if you're tuning in on Thanksgiving Day, even on Black Friday, and you're out shopping, if you're in your car right now somehow and driving to purchase some items that are on sale, uh, thank you thank you for listening. We really appreciate you. And, um, yes, that's, that's going to end off the episode. So expect another episode from us next week. We're not going to do another one between – well – yeah, we probably won't do another one between now and next Monday slash Tuesday. So, yes, I will be back at school at that point and things will be back kind of in full swing for me. So I've actually had like pretty much the past week and a half off, which is, again, you know, the the reason that I've had it off is, is definitely very sad. So I'm, I'm not rejoicing in any way, but it has been nice to be able to relax over this past week and a half and just kind of, you know, be with family, be with friends and take everything in and kind of realize the value of this beautiful life that we're living. So, um, so yes, that's, that's some, that's your kind of your, your quote of the day to end you off in this podcast is to, is to right Yeah. Just appreciate everything you got because given any circumstances you are, you are still living and, and life is beautiful. So with that being said, thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you next week. <laughs>